Hello and welcome back to Non-Essential Workers. I'm your host, Marlena. Welcome to episode one of a new series I'm launching called Vocations. It's going to be semi-regular, I'm hoping, uh, and will feature creatives who are working outside of the uh, traditional arts sector. So these are folks who have creative spirits and are utilizing um, their passion and creativity um, in their employment. So I'm really interested in looking at that and meeting some of these folks who are harnessing their creativity and passing that on through their work. I'm very, very happy to speak with one of my favorite people on earth today to launch this series. This is Madeline Bouchard. She is an elementary school teacher in the TDSB, one of my oldest friends, and I couldn't think of anyone better to start off this series with. She has an Instagram where she documents some of her classroom activities and creative projects she, she does with the kids. And that is at Madame underscore Bouchard, B-O-U-C-H-A-R-D. I will link that in the description below. As always, please feel free to rate, review, subscribe, share. We are on all the platforms. As always, please enjoy. Hi, Madeline. Hi. Um, do you want to tell anyone who may be listening um, how we know each other? Yes, we have been best friends since the seventh grade. We always lived in the same neighborhood growing up. Uh, we didn't really meet until we started middle school. And then my mom started carpooling you and I to our middle school together. So we started chatting and getting to know each other. And then we were inseparable pretty much after that. Yes. And yeah. we grew up through adolescence and high school and college. And now we're in our adult years. Yeah. It's been such a long time. It's wild to think about. Yeah. So it was absolutely biased that you're on this podcast yes I love you well I'm so appreciative and everyone that you had on here like all of your guests have been so interesting and talented so I'm really honored this was like one of the incentives to create this new part of the podcast this new series um, creativity and artistry is not just reserved for people who um, work in the art sector or consider themselves to be artists it's something that everyone can access and learn from. So I want to look at um, people who are working outside of the official arts sector. And I want to look at how they see their jobs, what joy they find in their, what meaning they find in their uh, employment and how they use artistic um, sensibilities and creativity in their work. People, people are blocked to explore that side of themselves because they think that either they're not artistic, they're not creative, or they're not good. Um, yeah. That's so true. But creativity presents itself in so many different forms. Yeah. Uh, we both went to Rosedale. So we both went to an arts high school. I would say I was more interested in 
uh, appreciating all of the arts there as opposed to being really set on one uh, medium. So that was an exciting introduction into arts, but I feel like I've been able to take that learning and kind of incorporate it into my career now. Do you want to give people a little bit of background about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Madeline. I am a public school teacher here in Toronto. I teach in the French program. This year I'm teaching grade six, but prior I have taught all the primary grades from kindergarten to grade six. Uh, this is my fifth year teaching now, and this year has obviously been a little bit different. So that's been interesting, but the journey so far has been great. So why elementary school? Why, out of all the things you could teach, why, why do you, why are you gravitated towards that age group? I think it's because you are, as a homeroom teacher, I get to teach all of the subjects or most of them. So that's really appealing to me. I'm not so set on teaching like mathematics, for example, which is what a high school teacher might do is have a very focused teaching um, subject. So I prefer to teach all of them and at an at a elementary level. I also love the French program. That was a big draw for me, teaching uh, English learners how to speak in a second language and incorporating that into my teaching has been amazing. So I think for me, that, is, that was the big draw there. Hmm. You're someone who always knew what you wanted to do that I can remember. Like you always said, I wanna be a teacher. Like you were very mm -hmm. sure of that from a, from a young age. And that's something that struck me. And that's also why I thought of you for this podcast, because it seems like that was somewhat of a calling for you. Yeah, definitely. As far as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a teacher. I can't explain it. Why, really? I just know when I was little, I used to play teacher and I used to force my brothers to be my students. <laughs> and I was a little bit bossy in that way. So it's just always been something that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I always start, I, you know, I was from a young age, I was kind of engaged in um, camps and things like that and being camp counselor. So it's always been appealing to me. I've always wanted to just get into the classroom and teach and have a group of students who I adore. I love, I just really love to be a leader. I love getting up in front of the kids and going through an activity and running the activity and, and posing questions to them and having discussions. I love incorporating technology and like, we're going to talk about my creativity is a lot, is a big part of that. So the whole idea of teaching to me is just so fun. And it's such a joy and every day is such a fun new experience i can't picture doing anything else i really can't that says something for sure yeah yeah i really love it do you notice any patterns in the types of people that are attracted to teaching like certain personality traits that you notice or um, ways of being i mean i've noticed that people who are uh, interested in teaching all of my fellow kind of coworkers and the people that I've gone to school with are some of the most hardworking people that I've ever met. And so these are very passionate people who just really care about um, engaging their learners and motivating their learners. It's one of the only jobs really that doesn't stop at the end of the workday. You take so much work home with you and you spend so many extra hours 
working than you would maybe another kind of job. So you really have to be prepared for that. If you're not passionate, there's the door, right? You can go find something else to do. I really believe that students deserve teachers who are passionate about them, about their learning. And so if that's not for you, I would say go and do something else. And if you're going to be a teacher, you really need to put forth 110% all of the time. And I'm sure like any career, like even in, you know, the orchestral careers, like sometimes over the years, people lose the passion, right? But they just stay in that career. And then I guess if you're a teacher and that happens, you just become probably Mm -hmm. just a more robotic, less animated and less effective teacher as the years Yeah. Exactly. Because it's so much um, work outside of the classroom, I think that there is a high burnout rate for some teachers. And that that's really too bad. I think you have to keep thinking about why you're here. Why am I teaching? Why is this important? And if you can't find the joy in it anymore, maybe it's not for you. You need to be joyful about it. You need to be there for your students every single day and they depend on you and they look up to you. And it's so important that you are a positive role model and that you are engaging them and motivating them and making them feel special and appreciated. Can you tell us a bit about what this year has been like during the pandemic? Oh boy, yeah, this year has been challenging um, to say the least. It has been back and forth from online to in-person learning the entire year. It's too bad because obviously there's a lot of students who are not, um, they're not succeeding in online learning. It's not the platform. It's not the, the, the way of learning for them that works for them. So I, I feel like I'm losing a lot of uh, motivation. They're losing a lot of motivation. You know, you kind of roll out of bed, you walk over to your computer, you have your pajama bottoms on and you teach from home and it's, it's strange. It's unnatural. Uh, Most cam, most of their cameras are turned off. Most of their mics are muted. So there's a lot of, a lot of um, times when I'm kind of just sitting there and I feel like I'm talking to myself and maybe (laughs) I am. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, have you noticed a decline in uh, the quality of work you're getting the quality of I mean, because you're not really sure if they're paying attention, right? Like you don't know if their cameras are off. Yes, some yeah, there's been some declining in in the effort in the work um, that they've been turning in and some students who normally would be very successful in the classroom are, are having a really hard time keeping up. A really really hard time and I don't blame them it's not this is not the platform for learning this we should be in person we should have uh, the opportunity to socialize with each other and and um, it's not the same it's mm-hmm. not the same what are your thoughts on the long-term impact uh, on the kids of this situation within the school setting like do you have you had any thoughts on that Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about learning loss. And so that's going to be something that I'm going to have to investigate a lot closely next year when I have my new group of kids is where are we in terms of our learning? Are we at grade level? Do we need to kind of take a step back and go back and and work our way up to to being grade levels? The expectations that I'm going to have to probably change a little bit there because like I said, some of them are not engaging and some of them aren't having 
trouble with the learning aspect, not to mention the social aspect of coming back to school and being with your friends again and understanding the routines of school and how that's going to work. I think it's going to be a lot of extra work and um, time spent on spent on that. Mm -hmm. Do you think most kids like school and want to be in school or do you think most kids have enjoyed being at home? Most kids would rather be in school. Yeah. 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 Especially at that age, I guess, right? The hatred for school comes later. I think so. I think some of, you know, some of them don't have a great attitude towards learning and that's my job is to kind of encourage them and motivate them, which is really hard to do from the other side of a computer. I know when they're there though, their spirits are high. They're enjoying themselves. They enjoy being with their friends and the routine of the day there, the recess and the lunch breaks, they really enjoy. So (laughs) (laughs) they love when they're not in the classroom. They love they, and that's important, though, for them to be able to, to hang out with their friends and do yeah. extracurriculars at school. For sure. The social aspect. I want to ask you, what do you see as your purpose um, as a teacher and more specifically your purpose in the lives of these kids that you're teaching? Yeah, that's a good question. Thank you. My purpose is to have students learn and build critical thinking skills so that they can be independent learners one day and independent thinkers. I want to foster a love of learning. I want to get them excited about learning. I also really find it important to um, help students see also their privilege as well in society. I think that's really important when we're building um, a culturally responsive uh, system. So the students should be able to value their own cultures while as well learning about other cultures. So I like to incorporate that in my curriculum and my programming as much as possible. How much of that is built into the curriculum and how much are you able to personalize the curriculum for to kind of mold to your vision in that way? Yeah, you can personalize it a lot. You have your curriculum expectations, but then you can do whatever you want with it. And that's my favorite part. That's where I get to be as creative as I want. So going off of that idea of um, the creative element of your job, um, I wanted to ask you how, 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 does, your cre- how does creativity as, as a concept factor into your teaching? Being creative is my absolute favorite part of teaching. Um, I love creating lessons that are motivating and engaging for students. I'll read the curriculum expectations and then I'll think, how can I get students to be excited about this? How can I get them to learn this and make it exciting and make it motivating and make it memorable? So that's where my creativity starts to kind of churn. I start to think about what can I do? What kind of lessons, what kind of activities can we do? It's really a creative process. My programming, it's such a creative process. Um, Taking the curriculum expectations, putting a little twist on it to make it fun for them. I think that's really, really important. Um, Like I said, online learning has put an extreme test on my creativity. So 
my goodness, like creating lessons, like the slideshows that we do, um, virtual field trips, guest speakers, whatever I can to keep them motivated, especially online has been the focus in my mind as the months start to kind of trickle by, as they start to kind of lose some of that motivation, how can I get them back? How can I get them interested? It's constantly what I'm thinking about all the time. I'm not necessarily in front of the classroom doing direct instruction all the time. I'm switching it up. The way that I teach has to be different. It has to be collaborative. The students should be problem solving. It's all about kind of making that as engaging as possible. Something really interesting is that we tend to only remember 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we say, and 90% of what we do. So mm. for me, that's really important because how can I get my students to remember this learning, right? Traditionally, you might have them reading from a textbook and answering questions. Well, I don't think that they're going to remember necessarily what they've read. So how can I get the students to do, to actually do the, the, the learning and so that they remember and so that they're engaged and so that it's hands-on. It's something that I'm really thinking about all of the time. So um, for example, instead of writing a test or, or a quiz like, like might've been traditionally done, um, there's so many other ways you can get students to show their learning and understanding. They can be problem solving. I can make them I, they could have, create a podcast, they could make a video, they can uh, compose, they can debate. There's so many different ways for them to show their learning, not just sitting there writing a test, like some of the stuff I'm sure we remember doing as students, I'm really trying to reach beyond that and get them to show their learning in, in different ways. I, I did a little bit of research on creativity actually for this um, because I realized, well, I don't have a working definition of creativity just in my mind. Um, and I found a couple that I really liked, um, which I did send to you. I'll just read a couple out for the listeners. Um, so Colin's Dictionary it said the ability to transcend traditional ideas, rules, patterns, relationships, or the like, and to create meaningful new ideas, forms, methods, interpretations, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I really liked. And then, uh, so in all of the definitions that I found, there was this element of novelty. So something that's new when, when we're being creative, something new arises, whether that's an idea or a piece of art or Mm. thinking. Um, There was always this element of openness. So being open to new concepts um, and having an open mind, essentially. Um, And then another element that I really liked was this idea of finding connections between seemingly unconnected ideas or concepts. so connect, making connections in our mind, um, which is also another element of people who sco- uh, score high on the openness um, scale, so to speak. And there's the big five personality quiz where you have mm. openness is one of the categories scored. And so finding, finding these connections um, and seeing also seeing multiple possible solutions to a problem 
Um, so, yes. I mean, I can, I can see how that would be entirely rev- relevant to learning and yeah. social, the social element of, of school life and then also, you know, adult life after school, right? Yes. Yeah, this year I focused a lot on teaching mathematics as um, how can I get my students to think creatively when they're problem solving in mathematics and I'm trying to foster as much as possible the idea that there's more than one way to solve a problem. And so I'm kind of stepping back and instead of being the inheritor of all knowledge and this is how you do it and this is the algorithm you use, posing the question, allowing students to collaborate and come up with solutions on their own and then just encouraging and fostering that idea that there's more than one solution and let's look at how this person solved the problem compared to this person and isn't that great and can we learn something from that and so learning off of each other is going to, in in my opinion, reduce math anxiety and things like that. And also, like you said, make connections to other curriculum um, curriculum expectations. So the, instead of this is math and this is language and this is science, blending everything together, fostering problem solving and having the students engage that way is um, just remarkable to me. That's something that I'm still working on and it is so important. And I'm really glad you mentioned that making connections. What's the hardest thing about what you do? The hardest thing is to, you know, there, there are some hardships. Sometimes you want to reach a student and you feel like you're not doing enough or they're not responding. And that can be very hard. You can start to take things very personally. What am I doing wrong? What can I do differently? Um, but you know, they're people, they cut they're, they're, they're sometimes wake up and they're in a bad mood or they got into a fight with their sister or their brother and they're not having it that day. And it's okay to take a step back and say, I'm just going to let them do them. And that's what they need and trying to juggle all of the different needs at the same time is challenging, really, really challenging. It depends. Also, you know, I had a quite a big class this year. I had 28 students and it's hard to meet the needs of 28 students in a single day. Sometimes I wonder, did I even say good morning to the student? Mm-hmm. There's 28 of them. Sometimes I don't feel like I can interact with them one-on-one as much as I would really like to. So that can be very challenging. Um, sometimes you want to see them succeed. You think maybe they're uh, behind compared to some of the other students and you really want to see them achieve more. And that can be difficult. That can be really difficult. Sometimes the um, relationship with you have the, with the parents can be challenging mm-hmm. with your administration. It really depends. There's a whole kind of different challenges, um, but you need to find the support that you have at the school, whether that's a colleague, whether that's administration that can support you. Find that support, ask for help when you need it, and um, don't be alone. I think a lot of teachers will kind of lock themselves in their rooms and feel like I'm doing this all on my own. And you're not on your own. We're all here to help each other and collaborate and to share resources. So be open to that. Be, be open to, to asking for help and getting advice. And um, you know, if it's not working, what can you do to, to, to improve? What kind of uh, extra uh, pedagogical learning can you do? And you can take courses, you can do all kinds of things, but you're not alone. I know mm-hmm. some teachers feel that way. 
What is something that you wish people knew about teaching or being a teacher? The day is not finished at 3.30 or three o'clock. Whenever the school bell rings, a teacher's work day is not finished. I'm planning all the time. I'm creating. Do you think that's because you're a particularly good and dedicated teacher? Do you feel all teachers do that kind of work? I think, I think they mostly do. I think maybe if you're a veteran teacher, you have a lot of tricks up your sleeve that you can pull from previous years. And I hope that I can start to accumulate and start to reuse some of those sources. However, I feel like it's still a ton of work. It really is. And it, and it should be. I don't see how you can stop at the end of the day and not touch any work and then come back to teach the next day. I just don't see how that works. I feel like it's too much work. There's too many things going on. You have to spend time working outside of the classroom day, mm -hmm. prepping and planning. It's all a lot of work. It doesn't really matter what grade you teach. If you're in kindergarten, you're going to spend hours just cutting things out for your students for the craft the next day. It's really a lot. It's, mm -hmm. There's a lot that goes into it. I can also imagine working well, working with students in general, but also especially working with young children is that, you know, as wonderful it is, as it is, it probably just takes so much mental and physical energy and emotional energy. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if you've discovered um, any ways to sort of um, practice self-care and things for yourself to recharge. It's a really good point. It's really been stressed as well a lot during this pandemic. Take self-care, um, take care of yourself, but at the same time, plan all these lessons and teach virtually and, and write report cards. So I find that a little bit Okay, when do I spend this time doing self-care? At a certain point, though, you have to stop. So with teaching, you could keep doing. There's always something to do is the thing. There's always, always, always going to be something for you to do. It's about being like, okay, I'm going to stop now. And I'm going to do my own thing now for a little while. You have to be able to put the work aside and to stop. Because like I said, there's always something for you to be working on. What gives you the most satisfaction when you work? What sort of, is there something, a situation you can think of or, a, or an example or a type of example where you feel a sense of accomplishment and fulfillment? I think the best part is when a student will say, oh, I get it now. And you just uh, think like, yes, the breakthrough. Like you just, you really feel good, right? When they go, oh, okay. Like the light bulb goes off, whatever you've done has worked for them. And what they weren't understanding, they're now understanding and applying. And it's just the best feeling ever to see them succeed and be proud of themselves and, um, it's, it's nothing explains that feeling. It's truly what keeps me going every single day. It's those aha moments and just the look on their faces when they feel like I got this, I can do this, mm. right? I couldn't do this before. Now I get it. Mm -hmm. And it's just the best feeling. It really is. I just want to say that I really admire you 
and I always have, and your, your passion for what you do is infectious and inspiring. Thank you. And I am certain that you have a wonderful effect on your students. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking to me today and allowing me to be a part of this project. I'm so honored that you would want to come on and share your, your wisdom. Um, and I think it's really good for people to see, to see other humans who are navigating their careers and loving what they do and finding purpose in what they do. Yes. So. Yes. Thank you so much. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da